Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, page 913 in your pew Bible. We'll be going through the entire text of Acts 5 today, starting at verses 12 and ending in chapter 42. 30 verses this morning. We will begin our reading at verse 11 and just go through 17. So Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now to our text. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And finally, verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Indeed it does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we again see you in this amazing work in this infant church, may we be rededicated ourselves to its continued growth and purity. Amen. You may be seated. It was July in 403 AD, just some 300 years after the events of our text this morning, that a synod was held in a little city called Oak, a suburb of Chalcedon. This synod, called the Synod of Oak, was only one item on its agenda. For this was a hastily and illegally called synod, that was only to do one thing, and that was to terminate and banish the popular bishop of Constantinople, John Chrysostom. By far and away, the most popular preacher probably in the first 350 years of this infant church. John had embroiled himself in a controversy with the empress Eudoxia, mostly concerning his preaching and her role and influence in the church, not the least of which was her erecting a statue of herself in the courtyard of the Sophia Haggai, or the Church of Holy Wisdom, where John preached every week. This was not only the largest church in the world, it was the largest building in the world for nearly 1,000 years But history records the dialogue between Eudoxia and John concerning this banishment. 
Eudoxia says, you will be banished. And John says, no, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. Then I will have you killed. No, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ in God. I'll take away your treasures, said Eudoxia. No, you can't. My treasure is in heaven where my heart is. But I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. No, you cannot, said John, for I have a friend in heaven of whom you can never separate me from. Alas, I defy you, Eudoxia, There is nothing you can do to harm me. And with that, the aged man was banished and forced on a long mountainous march that all knew would surely end his life. Well, this morning, the commitment to Christ and the preaching of his word and the building of his church is exactly what we would see in John Chrysostom some 300 years later. We continue in Acts chapter 5 this morning, seeing Christ's church and the gospel advance, and it has never stopped advancing. We have already seen so far in our series in the book of Acts, this great book, this church grow to uh, tremendous proportions very quickly from the call of the great commission to those apostles in the end of Matthew to Acts chapter 1 and the promise of the coming Holy Spirit with Christ's ascension. We saw in chapter 2 that Holy Spirit come down in power and that powerful preaching on the day of Pentecost with 3,000 saved. Chapter 3, we saw silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk, Peter and John, together. More preaching And the number grows to around 5,000 that day. And we moved to chapter 4, where Satan started attacking and the apostles thrown into prison and then let out. And then chapter 5, last week we saw Ananias and Sapphira. And today we'll see this church grow to some 7,000 men and at least that many women and children in such a short period of time. But in these 30 verses from Acts chapter 5 this morning, this narrative is on fast forward. As we'll see and experience this fear and excitement of the people. We'll see continued miraculous growth and amazing signs, wonders, and healings. Arrests, a prison break, an angelic message, more arrests, preaching to a council, threats of death. And we'll end with this highest Jewish court, counsel making a decision, and persecution suffering and resolve all in 30 verses. And we pick up right where we left off last week as we see the gospel advancing. And advancing is the right word. It's a military word. We think of it as an army advancing, a football team advancing down the field a movement 
advancing through small victories, yet always advancing. Webster defines it like this, to accelerate the growth or progress of advancing of a cause and advancing army. We'll see this gospel and this new church advancing this morning in three ways under three headings. First, we'll see this gospel and church advancing being authenticated by signs and wonders in verses 12 through 16. Then in uh, verses 17 through 33, we'll see the gospel advancing being attested to by courage and boldness. And finally, we'll see this gospel accompanied with persecution and suffering in verses 34 to 42. Now we'll begin right where we ended last week with verse 11 again. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. This word didn't take long to spread throughout houses all over Jerusalem and beyond. With some contextualization, which I'm always guilty of never having, this, a conversation may have went like this. This is serious, dude. It's serious. I'm not kidding. Not only can they heal people, they kill people. What? What happened? I'm not kidding. It was just like the sound of a pastor slamming the pulpit. Boom, they hit the floor and died. Both of them. What? What did they do? Well, best I can figure, they had uh, promised to sell some land and give all the money to this new group. What happened? Well, I, they sold it, but I guess they didn't give it all to them. What? Dude, I'm not getting close to those guys. I promise you, never. And now, many signs, verse 12, and wonders were, were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of them, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Strangely enough, there are two groups of people in this passage, aren't there? And they're both diametrically opposed to each other. One group is afraid and hiding, afraid that they might be exposed and be killed. And the other group, they just could not stay away. Not too different, perhaps, than in our own community, even maybe in this room, those who are hiding don't really want to be known or exposed. And then others that realize this is where the truth is, where signs and wonders are, and you cannot keep them away. Verse 14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Now, we can't be, we can't be too uh, rigid with our uh, uh, interpretation of this in that if they looked out and saw, oh, it's not a sunny day, we're not going to go down because there probably won't be any shadows. 
We don't even know for sure from the text that anybody actually was healed by a shadow hitting somebody. But they wanted to be near where the action was. They wanted to be near the word that was being preached and salvation that was happening. But the key here is verse 12. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. I draw your attention to the previous chapter, chapter 4, verse 29. After the apostles were released, they went back and gathered with the people to pray for boldness. Verse 29 of chapter 4, And now the Lord, look upon their hearts and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with boldness, while you, Lord, stretch out your hand and heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed in the place in which they were gathered together, it was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayers. All of the believers continued to speak the word of God with boldness, but it was only the apostles, and namely Peter, who they were looking for to be healed and actually did the healing. Look again, verse 15, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats as Peter came by. At least his shadow might fall among them. Now, we simply can't gloss over, brothers and sisters, questions and concerns about modern so-called faith healers. And those now might say, look, we don't need to go there. Charismatic believers are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I would say absolutely they are. So who are you to be critical? You're just being judgmental and sectarian. Well, yes, I am, and I think for good reason. Just two weeks ago, I was in my office. It was about 4.30, and I was packing up, getting ready to go, and I heard the door uh, fly open in the office with some, with some terror. And I heard the words, is there a pastor here? Please. I said, I'm, I'm here, come in. And uh, a gal from the, the homeschool group had another lady with her. And she said, can you talk to her? And this lady came in. I said, sit down. And she was unconsolable, crying. And I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not. I need to talk with somebody. I said, why? She goes, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I think I'm going to hell. And it took a few minutes for her to settle down. And I said, tell me, what what happened? And she said, well, my son has been going to this church in town, begging me to come. And finally, I succumbed and went to church with him. And she said, I've never seen anything in my life, and I was scared to death. I said, what happened? And she said, well, people were barking like animals. People were rolling on the floor. Some people were laughing. Several people came up to me wanting to touch me. And she said, I've never seen as much confusion in all my life, and I was scared. And she said, I got home, and my son said, what did you think? And she said, I don't think what I saw was of God. And he said, well, 
I'll tell you, Mom, unless you speak in tongues, you are going to go to hell. And he said, by you saying that this is not of God, you have just committed the unpardonable sin. I don't want anything to do with you. And this woman was... So I took her through the scriptures. I tried to show her what it is. And I tried to assure her that, you know, ma'am, if you indeed had committed the unpardonable sin, the last thing you would be worried about is that you had committed it. I said... Christ loves you. Do you love him? And I took her through and prayed with her. Now certainly we can't and won't gather all charismatic Christian friends into one fringe camp like this. But brothers and sisters, make no mistake that if someone believes in ongoing revelation and the fact that the apostolic gifts of healing are operative and available today, we must warn strictly. The apostolic sign gifts, what we see in other places in the book of Acts and here, were just that. They were apostolic signs gifts of the apostles, and they ceased with the apostles. We know this, don't we, by even the Apostle Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy says that he left Trophimus sick at Mylita. But notice here, verse 16, and notice it well. The people also gathered from the towns across Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and what? They were all healed. All Healed. All healed. Why do these modern faker healers make people come to them? When's the last time you saw one of these so-called faith healers walk into a children's hospital? When's the last time you ever heard anyone them or seen any of them actually heal anybody like Jesus Christ and the apostles did? You haven't because they don't. Matthew chapter 10, as you'll recall, Jesus says to his 12 that he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Let me ask, if you had the apostolic gift of healing, what would you do? I can tell you what I wouldn't do. And I wouldn't call a crusade and pass around large Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets for offerings. I'll tell you what I would do. I would leave this service immediately and go right to Donna Bangma's bed and say, leukemia, depart. On the way, I'd heal my wife of her leukemia. I'd stop by Steve Lytle's and take care of his back. And then on the way home, I'd go blow in Lance Baum's ears. That's what I would do. Brothers and sisters, he hasn't given us the apostolic signs that are temporary and will cease. He's done much more than that for us. He's given us his internal word that never will cease. Hebrews 1.1, God, who in sundry ways and divers manners spoken times past by his prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, You know what our problem is, brothers and sisters, and I say it with all charity. 
Our problem is not that we don't have signs and wonders. Our problem is we really don't believe in the power of the ones we do have. There's two signs right there. There's a third sign right there. And we have the same apostolic faith as Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost in chapter 3, 4, and in 5 today that's continued on. And we have his promises that accompany his word with spirit and the third person of the, of the Godhead dwelling in us. Listen, when I see, as I did a couple of weeks ago, a weak Donna Bangma on a hospital bed with oxygen tubes in her nose and being fed by drugs in her arm, and she looks at me and never once mentions herself, asks me to pray, not for her, but for her family, her friends, and even the Muslim doctor taking care of her. Brothers, that is a bigger miracle than her walking out of that bed. The miracle of a contented, worshipful heart and soul under all circumstances, and we miss it. The people, verse 16, also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not only was this advancing church and the gospel authenticated by signs and wonders, it was secondly attested to with courage and boldness. Let's look at the narrative and point out a few things, starting at verse 17. But the high priest rose up and <clears throat> all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple, and this is so good, and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. As we look at this courageous and bold preaching of the apostles, it should not be a surprise, should it, what the angel of the Lord asked them to do and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. What a thing to ask. All the words of this life, the central, most important, all the words of this life. It's the mission. It's the only mission. Oh, what would we have instructed them to say? Not only here, but in all of the New Testament, think about this. At this time in the Roman Empire, there was about 10 million people with an estimated 2 million Slaves, not a word about emancipation. A despot on the throne of Rome, killing Christians. Not a word about insurrection or political upheaval or getting out the vote. Immorality and homosexuality running amok in society. What are all the words of life? Not a condemnation to the public in general about that. 
The words of life are the same as Jesus commanded in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and you know them. Go ye therefore. So the equivalent of the Jewish Supreme Court now uh, is to decide this case. Notice, they're out of prison and preaching again, and they bring them back, and we pick it up at verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them and saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. What a great thing to hear. Maybe someday we'll hear that. Shame on you, Redeemer. You filled all McKinney with your teaching. Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen to the next words. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Too late. Remember those words in Matthew chapter 27? So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be upon us and our children. And it still is, brothers and sisters. February 25th, 2004, you might remember that was the, the premiere of The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's movie that opened that day in theaters nationwide. I'm not here to talk about second commandment violations or anything like that. Just to say that the next day, the 26th of February, 2004, there was an outcry like has never been heard a protest about a movie. And those protests were not about the, the authenticity of the scene or too much blood or anything like that. The outcry was on one scene. And that scene was Pilate washing his hands and the hateful depiction of the Jewish crowd in Aramaic saying, crucify him, let his blood be upon us and our children. And people could not stand until that was taken out of the movie and it was taken out that day. But before we're too quick to condemn others, brothers and sisters, in a day when in our own church courts we hear objections to intemperate language, loud language, we seem to have lost or are unable to tolerate any courageous, bold, or even straight language. The consistency, courage, boldness, and truth of this type of preaching inspired by the Holy Spirit in the, in the book of Acts is anything if it is anything, it is both intemperate and loud. Listen, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Peter, to a large crowd of thousands, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God has raised him up. Next chapter, Acts 3, 14, Peter and John at the portico, Solomon's portico, with about 100 men, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God has raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Acts chapter four, Peter, to the scribes and Pharisees, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, God has raised him from the dead. And then our passage today, Acts chapter 5, starting at verse 27. 
And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to preach in his name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And look at the politically correct Peter. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him and at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. It mattered not the size of the audience to the apostles. Thousands of men, hundreds of men, fifties, hundreds of men, or a single group in a single room, it mattered not. The message and the delivery were exactly the same. Where is our backbone, church? We can't even have internal debates with other believers without hurt feelings while the world grows darker and darker and more and more on their way to the fires of hell, our concerns are primarily being winsome and using non-offensive language. We want to present a Christianity with a kinder and gentler aesthetic. Could it be that we're more concerned of human flourishing than humans eternally perishing? Can we really present to this lost and dying world a beautiful orthodoxy without the beauty and orthodoxy of the words of the Son of God? Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Brothers and sisters, a biblical call of preaching the gospel with tenderness and gentleness has never meant folded hands in a form of public niceness. That, unfortunately, can sometimes be nothing more than baptized version of self-righteousness. God has given this church a plethora of young men in various stages preparing for ministry. Oh, let us all encourage every one of them to be preachers of the word with power, boldness, conviction, straight language, with tears of a broken heart for the lost and their own sin. May it be so. The word came with signs and wonders, preached with courage and boldness, and finally, it's accomplished with persecution and suffering. Now, after Peter, after Peter's example of bold, courageous preaching, Look at their response in verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Finally, we've gotten somewhere. Finally, we have our conversation of transparency. And then we have this strange advice from Gamaliel. I wish I had time to go in depth of who this man was, how powerful he was. We know that the Apostle Paul learned at his feet, but according to both the Jewish Talmud and Mishnah, this man was known as Rabban, meaning the teacher of the law. 
Many believe that he was possibly the greatest Old Testament scholar that ever lived, having memorized every word in the Old Testament. So we're at a crossroads sort of here, aren't we, with this Jewish faith? What will he say? What will he do? Well, he simply gives the worst possible advice he could give. He gives some examples of so-called prophets that kind of came and went. And then his advice is to just let them alone. Because if they're of God, we can't stop them. And if they're not of God, they're just going to go away. Like size and success has ever been an indication of God's blessing. But what an opportunity this man had. The greatest Old Testament scholar, all he had to say is, Brothers, who will search the scriptures with me to see if this man could be the Christ? They could have come right into Sunday school this morning and heard about the servant songs, couldn't they? What did they do? It says they took his advice. Really? Look at verse 40. And when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. Persecution and suffering. But oh, church, the reaction. Look at. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. As we close, we know the mission of ours is the same as the mission of the apostles. How do we apply this amazing passage to Redeemer Presbyterian Church in the summer of 2022? Here's a few final thoughts. Number one, can we at least together admit our failure in these areas? Some of us have not only not been bold in sharing our faith, some of us have not shared the gospel in years. Some of us have never told anyone the good news of Jesus Christ. Can't each of us start in our own way by simply asking the Lord to show us where can you use me to spread your gospel? For some tips and ideas, you might want to wait for a seminar or a Sunday school class down the road here, but talk to your pastors, your elders, and deacons. But get in the battle, it's raging. Doesn't matter how long you've defected. There's no penalties. Come and join the battle. Number two, let's not be satisfied to be in a church with no signs and wonders. If we really believe the Lord has promised his special and wondrous presence in his means of grace, let's believe him and let's make sure we are participating in them weekly praying for our pastors and elders who will lead us. And then let's try to expose as many people to these means of grace. 
How about just a simple email? Was thinking and praying for you this week. I've enclosed a link to Dr. Stone's amazing sermon on Sunday. How about if you join us and maybe we can uh, have lunch at our house afterwards or whatever. Expose as many as possible to the preaching of the word of God and the sacrament. We can all do that, can't we? And finally, would you be willing? Would you be willing to risk a little bit of humiliation and even perhaps a little bit of persecution to stand strong for your Lord Jesus Christ? Can we not at least pray for more courage and boldness? Perhaps your humiliation needs to be in finally admitting that although you may have heard and know the story, you know it's time to make this right in your own heart. Just know this, there's nothing, nothing that would make us more happy than to join you on that journey to that end. Well, John Chrysostom was in fact banished. This mighty preacher was loved so much that the turmoil and riots that the people caused the likes of Constantinople had never seen ensued. He was rushed away by night and forced on a march through his place of exile near the Black Sea. This frail preacher, as expected, did not last long. Growing weaker by the day, John asked on the final day if the guards would be okay for him to change into his white garments as he was soon to meet the Lord. And they obliged and he changed. And then they recorded his last words on earth in his native Greek, doxa totheo, pantone henneken, to God be the glory in all things. And he laid down and died. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's not right, Lord, that through the ages, men and women that you have called just like us have bared and taken up arms, and we don't. Father, give us the strength, the courage to be Christian soldiers. If we've been derelict, help us repent and help those here that have never heard the call of that army to join. And we'll be grateful for all you'll say and do for us. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.